Hey, thank you for tuning in to the Relove Podcast. This is Pastor Rico. Our hope is that today's message adds life and power to your journey as you grow. Thanks for joining us. Relove Church family, thank you so much for joining us today. Happy Sabbath. We're grateful that you had decided to tune in. We're excited because today we are launching our February teaching series, and it's called Spaces. And the reason why we're so excited for the Spaces series is because it is intended to launch us into this year's win. Our goal in 2022 is all about spaces. And you may have heard that floating around a little bit if you've been in groups or you've been in any of our leadership meetings so far in the month of January. Uh, And so you may be wondering, what exactly is spaces and how can that be a goal? Well, let me tell you, uh, spaces is the word that we're putting on ourselves this year to describe our commitment to togetherness. Spaces in 2022 is our goal. As many of you may recognize that, you know, the last couple years have been difficult. They've been challenging to say the least. You know, people have experienced more disconnection and division uh, nationwide and worldwide in the last couple years than they've experienced ever before. We know this because depression and anxiety rates have tripled uh, post-COVID-19. Personal feelings of loneliness and isolation have catapulted we have seen people peak in their feelings of, of despair in the last couple years, and that may uh, be something that you've experienced. Now, while some of us have found ourselves hungering for human connection again because of the separation caused by our circumstances the last couple years, many of us have simply just felt far from God. We felt a complete disconnect from God, or we've lost the taste of community altogether. Uh, and if that's you, I want you to know that I, I, I empathize and sympathize with, with where you are. And I felt that myself as well. And as a result of that, you know, we recognize as a, a church that that's where a lot of people are. And although a lot has changed in the last couple of years, one thing that has not changed is the God that makes promises to us. And so this sermon series, Spaces, is actually built and stands on a promise. And that promise comes from Matthew 18. Uh, And it begins in verse 18 to 20. It says, truly I tell you, now these are the words of Jesus himself. This is a promise from the mouth of Jesus to the disciples. He says, truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by the Father in heaven. And this is where we lay our hats in 2022, where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. Where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. We are calling that in 2022 a space. So this is a declaration that Jesus made to his disciples 2,000 years ago, but it's also a promise that he makes to relove today. It's a promise he makes to you and a promise he makes to me. That means that in our community is hope. In our connectedness, there is there is there is healing. In our fellowship, there is a place for every hurting heart. These are the spaces we are seeking to create in 2022. And what we're deciding is that when we connect with one another in person and we feel the Holy Spirit, that's a space. So if it's a church service, if it's a small group meeting, if it's a conversation you have with your daughter while doing dishes, this is a space. 
In 2022, we are claiming and counting and celebrating every space that you make this year. And our goal is to create and experience 10,000 of them. Now, you may be thinking, hey, that's a crazy number. Listen, it's not a crazy number because it stands on a promise that Jesus is going to be in the midst of us when we connect. But it requires our commitment. So here in 2022, Relove is going to be all about connecting to one another. We want to spend this year building and fortifying the infrastructure of faith within our families and within our community so that come 2023, we're really, really going to be prepared to go out into the world and make a difference. We feel you, Relove. We know it's been hard. We know you've experienced disconnect, but we want to go ahead and get you guys tied back in. And that's what today's message is about. It's about getting tied in. Today's first episode of the Spaces series, I really, really want to uncover with you what it looks like and what it feels like to have drifted away from the fellowship, to have drifted away from your faith. But even more so, we want to capitalize on, on the promises and the practical reasons why God calls us to stay connected to each other because we have that tendency to drift. So we're going to jump into the sermon series. I'm going to read the opening uh, scripture. We're going to pray and we're going uh, to jump in. So we're beginning in Genesis chapter 2. I'm just going to read a quick verse from Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. Just to lay the context, the beginning of Genesis, we see in chapter 1 that God has created all of humanity, right? He's gone through. It's the sixth day of creation where man and woman were formed. Adam and Eve were created on the sixth day. What we see in verse 18 of, of, of chapter 2 is that God paused after he created Adam. We see on day one and day two and day three, at the end of each day, the Bible says in Genesis 1 that God stopped and he said, wow, that was good. And that was the third day. He stopped and said, everything I've created is good. That was the fourth day. He looked back and saw what he created and that said that it was good. That was the fifth day. On the sixth day, he pauses, he pauses and he says, that is not good. And what specifically is he talking about? We see in verse 18, he says, it is not good for man to be alone. And I just want you to stop and pause and think about what that way may really mean for you in your life. God created a utopian society. There in the garden, he sees Adam, who he, whom he created, and he has a purpose for Adam, and, and, and he has a job for Adam, but he recognizes that Adam is not going to be living his best life if he lives it alone. So Eve was actually born out of the need for Adam to have partnership, for Adam to have community, for Adam to have friendship. And this is pre-sin, you guys. This is before humanity ever experienced sin. How much more do you think now we have the need for this partnership and this friendship that God recognized even in a perfect living situation Adam was in need of? We were not designed to experience life alone. This is the, the most fundamental, basic principle that this idea of church fellowship and community stands on is we were not designed to live life alone. And if we were to back up even a little pre-creation, we know this is also scripturally and theologically supported because Jesus Christ himself, God himself, exists in community. 
God is not a singular being. We understand that God, through the Trinity, exists in other-centered, eternal love toward another person. And that's God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We recognize that that is the community within which they live, and that's the community within which they love one another. So much so that, 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 that when Jesus was actually separated from the community of the Trinity, Jesus himself experienced mourning. God the Father experienced mourning. They were joined together for eternity past in other-centered love toward one another. So Jesus essentially created on earth what he was experiencing with God the Father and the Spirit. So he recognized that Adam needed an Eve. You need fellowship. And that's where we lay our heads. Just pray with me. God, we are grateful today for the opportunity to dive into your word, to recognize and celebrate the opportunity you've given us through the church to be connected to one another. I pray uh, that as we open our hearts into the reading and hearing of your word, God, that your spirit will go before us, saturate the atmospheres of the cars, the homes, the kitchens, where this is being played and heard, God, and bless us in our worship today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of this, but there's a cute little sea creature called an otter. Otter. Sea otters are very cute, but they're also something that we can learn a lot from. Did you know that otters actually sleep in the water on their back? So they sleep belly up on their back in the water. And I don't know if you realize this, uh, but, but, but observers of, of nature and science show us that, that otters actually hold hands while they're sleeping. So they're laying on their backs, they're face up, and they sleep in the water. But as the water is moving, they recognize that the current or the waves can help them drift away from each other. So what they do is they stay connected to each other while they're sleeping by holding hands. And, 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 and it's because they recognize their tendency to drift. And this goes early on um, early into uh, an otter's life uh, because as a mother otter has a child and they recognize that this child is, is vulnerable and has the tendency to drift away, the, the mother otter will actually go down to the ocean bottom, pull up seaweed, and it brings seaweed up and it ties its young one in seaweed and ties it to itself. It literally ties its baby to itself to ensure that the current does not carry that young one away. What if our commitment to being tied into each other was the same? What if we recognized the value of not drifting away, the value that being in community created for us in our lives? What if we actually understood the risk of not being tied to each other in community? And that's what I really, really want you to consider today. We have this great lesson we can see from the sea otters as they understand the value of being connected to one another. And that's really, really what we're looking at achieving today in, in, in our study. The truth is, if it's something that's good for us, we are going to drift away from it. At the end of the day, if you have a goal for your life, you are not naturally just going to drift into that goal. You have to work toward that goal. It's not a, a downstream swim. It's an upstream swim. You're not going to just naturally wake up and fall into better relationship with your spouse. 
You have to work toward that. You're not naturally just going to wake up and fall into a great landfill of wealth or money. No, you have to work toward that. You're not naturally just going to wake up in the morning uh, and, 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 and have met your fitness goals. You actually have to work toward that because the truth is, if you put a piece of pizza in front of me and a piece of celery, I'm naturally going to drift toward the pizza. I'm not going to drift toward the celery. And, 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 and that's the truth for all of us. If it's good for us, we're not naturally going to drift to it. We're going to drift away from it. This is what in Christian maturity we come to recognize is our understanding of our need for Christ and our need for the people of Christ who can help us drift toward those things that are good. The truth is that the current of life takes us in the wrong direction in every area of our lives that is important. If it matters, we're going to fall away from it. But the good news is we have not been called to swim alone. Like the sea otter, we have been called to hold hands together. Romans chapter 12, verse 5 says, Since we are all one body in Christ, we belong to each other, and each of us needs each other. It, it, I, th that word belong is such a strong word when you consider what that means. When you come to church, you don't really feel like you belong to another person. You may feel like you belong here in this community, but Paul in Romans is saying we belong to each other. We live in a world where communication is ubiquitous. It's everywhere. We're overfed with information, but we're starving for the truth. We are drowning in ways to communicate, but we are desperate for connection. So in addition to disconnectivity that's happened post-COVID-19, we're also flooded with ways to experience superficial connection. Liking a status on Facebook or Instagram doesn't necessitate vulnerability from you. It doesn't require anything from you. There is no risk in that for you. And where there is no risk, there's no responsibility. But true fellowship and community requires both of those things. And while we don't get to choose the stuff we go through in life, because life is hard, what we do get to choose is how we go through it with. And at the end of the day, I want you all to understand that you're going to go through hard things but you should not have to go through those things alone because you've been called to swim together. At the end of the day as well, you also have been given a purpose by God, but that purpose is one that actually requires the fellowship and community of other people. The job that God has given you is one that he's not given you to complete on your own. I want to share with you just five practical reasons why you should be tied in. These are five practical reasons why you need to be tied in. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says, Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Uh, you know, we, many times in Scripture, especially in the New Testament, we see that, we see that, 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 that walking with God or the Christian journey is often, is often, compared to a race, a race we need to run, or, or, or a journey that we need to walk. Colossians chapter 2 verse 6 says, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. We're actually called to walk with Christ. But what does that mean? You can't walk with Christ without walking with the people of Christ. And walking with the people of Christ has some very, very practical benefits to it. I mean, think about it. When you're walking with a group of people, there is safety in numbers. 
And we recognize that in spiritual warfare and on the journey of a Christian, there's going to be reasons why we're going to want to seek safety. The Bible tells us that the enemy prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. There is safety in your numbers. There's support, right? The support of the people who are walking with you keep you from giving up. It's simply just smart to walk with other people. As you're walking with other people, you're going to learn other things. You're going to learn tips from the way they walk. You're going to learn from the experiences that they've had. We're called to walk with Christ, but that does not mean walk with Christ alone because you cannot accept Christ and not accept the church. We're called to walk in community with the church. Have you ever been through a dangerous place alone? Have you ever had to walk through a dangerous place? You know, I'm from, I'm from Michigan, from Saginaw, Michigan particularly, and that can be known oftentimes as a, as a dangerous place. The murder capital of the world has been called uh, by some. I recognize even here in Orange County, you know, we have some places that, that may be a little sus. But, but if you've never walked through a real dangerous place, you may not recognize the need you have for the safety and security of other people. I always think about this when I think about walking with other people, uh, and especially in in dangerous places. When I was a teenager, one of my most uh, passionate areas of ministry was uh, prison ministry. This is post-18 years old for me. Um, I I was a a certified clergy member with with the Michigan Department of Corrections. And I remember every time we would enter into the prison, we would have to go through the inspections, the metal detectors. We have to take our our shoes off. and, And once we got through those inspections and went through the threshold, hold of the gates into the courtyard on our way to where we would actually host worship services for the inmates, we were walking amongst level three and four inmates. So we were walking with prisoners all around us, and it was absolutely intimidating. I remember walking and thinking, man, I'm so glad I'm not walking alone. Because with me, there were other people. I never went and preached or talked and taught to, you know, the prisoners in, 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 in the prison by myself. I was always surrounded by other people. Now, I remember walking through this courtyard and, and, and getting to our destination, but not once did I feel fear. Why? Because I was surrounded with the community and fellowship of other believers. I felt protected. And that's something that we need in a very practical way. We need to walk with each other. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 says, not giving up meeting together as some of you are in the habit of doing. Now, the author of Hebrews is actually challenging its readers to say, hey, some of you are not really committed to this whole church thing. You're not really committed to gathering and assembling, but we're actually being challenged by the author in Hebrews to say, you can't neglect that fellowship. He says, all the more as you see the day approaching. As, as, as time goes by, you need community even more day by day. Even back then, they recognized that community is God's answer to loneliness. Community is God's answer to loneliness. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16 says, as, part, as each part does its work, it helps the other parts grow. So Christ's whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Not only do you need to walk with each other, Not only is community God's answer to loneliness, but community is God's answer to growth. You require community to grow in your walk with Jesus. 1 Peter 4.9 says, open your homes to each other without complaining. We're actually challenged to experience community within each other's homes, not just here at church, not just here in these rows, shoulder to shoulder, no, but also in circles, 
face to face. You have to have spiritual partnership. You need someone to walk with you. Our second very practical reason that you need community is because you need others to work with you. You need others to work with you. God has a special job for you to do here on earth. He has a special purpose that you, in fact, cannot fulfill without the partnership of other people. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So even before you were born, he had a, a, a plan and a purpose for you. But I want to ask yourself, have you ever tried to do something alone that required the help of other people? It's frustrating. It's hurtful. It's lonely. But God has not called you to fulfill your purpose alone. In fact, somebody next to you needs to see your win. What do I mean by that? I mean that you have probably experienced some difficult things and you've gone through some things that, are, that, that, that have required you to really, really do some soul searching, to really go through a battle. Some of us think that some of the battles we're going through are for us. Did you know that sometimes your hardship is not even about you? Have you considered the fact that God sometimes wants to leverage your circumstances to give hope to the person next to you? Have you ever thought about the fact that your win that you're chasing is needed more by the person who's looking at you run your race because they don't have hope for their own? We have to really consider the responsibility we carry in not just having people walk with us and not just having people work with us, but us contributing to the destiny and work of other people. This Christian journey is not one just for us to receive, it's one for us to give as well. you got to have people to walk with you, but you also need to have people to work with you. There's something you have to give through your working with other people. But there's also something you have to receive. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 says it well. It says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defeat, two can defend themselves. And a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. So what we see there in Ecclesiastes is, 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 a, is, is a metaphor for us understanding how much more powerful we are in numbers, how much stronger we are with a three-cord braid when we're connected to each other in community. Community is God's answer to burnout. You may be where you are and you're like, I'm not strong enough to continue this fight. I don't, I don't have it in me to continue going through this season of my life. Community is how you can avoid Fatigue, burnout, and maintain the hope that's necessary for you to continue running your race. You need someone to walk with you. You need someone to work with you. The third reason, you need other people to watch out for you. You need other people to watch out for you. Listen, Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. True Christian community is about others. True Christian community is about watching out for others and letting others watch out for you. What do I mean by, by watch out? 
Consider it this way. Have you ever gone on a vacation or out of town for some time and uh, you've gone to your neighbor's house and you said, hey, knock, knock, <laughs> just want to let you guys know I'm going out of town. Can you watch my house? Watch my property? Watch my car? Um, hey, here's keys. Can you do a check every now and then? Water my plants. Feed my cats. Right? We do that for our belongings. We do that for our things. But um, who's watching out for your soul? Who's got your back? Who's watching out for your spiritual health? for your true well-being. Hebrews chapter 3 says, keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. I want you to understand that, 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 that you, you have to have people who continue to watch out for you. We're not talking about a one or two time thing. We're talking about a habit in your life that's formed from true commitment to fellowship. Who's watching out for you? I want to go into a, a, a story about a spiritual warfare partner that I have who truly taught me uh, in many ways what watching out for someone spiritually looks like. And this person that I want to tell you about, many of you know him. Uh, it's, it's, it's one of my favorite Marines, Michael Wilson. Uh, let me tell you this story about, about how Michael has taught me the importance of watching out for your brothers and sisters. Every year, uh, as you know, Relove Church has a church-wide tradition where we go up into the mountains, we retreat from our, our daily lives, our schedules, from work and from school, and we commit to fellowship together. We commit to community up in the mountains. And one of the years where we were doing this, <clears throat> Michael and I were leading out, and I, 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 I remember experiencing a particularly difficult day as we were leading out. Uh, there, were, there, was a, there was a fire that day that almost took the camp out that we were staying at. Um, the, the winds were high. I remember one of the activities, our supplies did not come through for it. I remember we had a particularly challenging day, but it wasn't just those odds that were against us. We also remember hearing the stories of people who were discouraged. Right, Our church family came out and they were vulnerable and they shared their moments of discouragement in their lives and their personal tribulations and trials and traumas. And Michael and I went to bed that night with a heavy heart. Now we're roommates, right, in, in, in a lodge style room and uh, he's sleeping in the bed next to me and I fall asleep, but this is how I woke up. I woke up hearing a screaming voice <laughs> and I woke up out of my bed wondering who's screaming. I realized that it was Michael next to me. He wasn't screaming, he was praying. He was praying loudly. I realized later that he was praying loudly intentionally because he wanted me to wake up so we could pray together. And I remember being a little disoriented at first when, when, when he was first, I was like, why is, he, why is he praying so loud? What's going on? But I, once I recognized he was praying, I just stopped and I listened. And after he said, amen, he went into a devotional. Again, still speaking loudly, to ensure that I was awake so that I could experience worship with him. Now, before we went to bed, Michael didn't ask me if he could do this. He didn't ask, hey, you want to wake up tomorrow and do devotional together? No, he knew that I needed it because we went to bed together feeling the same weight of the spiritual warfare we were engaged in. I remember learning that day that there's something to be said about watching out for your brother or sister. Because he was tuned in with me, because we were walking together, because we were working together, he recognized and didn't even ask permission, but he prayed over me while I was sleeping, so much so that I woke up and we then spent time worshiping together before we started day two of the retreat that year. And that was one of the most powerful spiritual experiences I had because I felt for the first time what it felt like to have someone watch out for my soul. And it's not something I would have ever experienced if I was not tied 
to the church. Maybe not all of you have a Michael in your life, but you could. Maybe not all of you feel a need for a Michael in your life, but you could be one. You know, there's other people that need the Michael in you. And this is really what it means to be tied in. You got to let someone watch out for your soul. When we're talking spiritual warfare, you have to understand that community is God's design against defeat. Community is God's design against defeat. You need someone to watch out for you. You need someone to walk with you. You need someone to work with you. You need someone to watch out for you. But you also need someone to wait and to weep with you. You know, there are certain experiences that each of us will go through in our lives that are going to be crushing, painful experiences. It could be grief. It could be the death of a loved one. It could be, it could be relational issues. But I want, you, I want you to hear me. There are some things that no person should ever experience alone. A few examples of those things. I mean, I mean you should never have to stand next to a graveside alone. You should never have to stand next to a bedside uh, waiting for the doctors to come in for a surgery alone. You should never have to uh, wait on, on the results of a diagnosis alone. You should never have to suffer from the pain of a divorce alone. These are things that God has designed the church to, to, to support each other in, to actually fortify each other in those moments of weakness. Who is waiting with you? Who is weeping with you? Who can you count on? And who can count on you? 1 Peter 3.8 says, Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate, be humble. The Bible very clearly outlines the characteristics of a person who is other-centered and loving while in tied-in fellowship with one another. I want to ask you this. What company do you keep that challenges you to be more humble? Who among your friend group challenges you to have a greater capacity for love? Where is your character growing as a result of the people that are around you in your life? Are you tied in? We see in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 26, it says, If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, everyone rejoices with it. You should never suffer alone. And I want you to know that here at Relove, we have hurt together, we have cried together, we have grieved together, and we are open to grieving with you. Who's made you that offer? A lot of people say, hey, yeah, I'll go hang out. Hey, I'll go to the club with you. Hey, let's go hang out. Let's do this. Who's ever told you, hey, I want to grieve with you? That's the true definition of community. That's what it really means to have life and power added in value to your life. Who's making that offer to you in your circles? Community is God's answer to pain. Who are you tied into? Who are you encouraging? Do you not recognize that one word of encouragement may be somebody else's lifeline? When you encounter another person, do you not realize that there's a whole story, a whole life they've lived that has brought them to the place they are now? Do you not realize that they, you may be the one person that they're needing? 
1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as, in fact, you are doing. I want you to understand something here. Listen, there's a power that you have in your encouragement. Do you not recognize that, that somebody may be on the verge of giving up, but they know that you're there for them, so they won't? Whose life are you saving as a result of your proximity and intimacy with them? Another thing that we see here in 1 Thessalonians, at the end of that verse, it says, just as in fact you are doing. The truth is, we're doing this, many of us in our lives. We are in community. We're experiencing this. For those of you who are, I want to encourage you to continue doing that. Just like we see Paul saying to the church in Thessalonica, hey, don't give up on doing that. Continue. Continue waiting and weeping with each other. Continue doing the good work that you're doing with each other. So if you're hearing me and you're like, man, I feel pretty good about my spiritual community, I want to encourage you not to let anything sever that sacred bond that you have with the people of God. You need others to wait and to weep with you. You need people to walk with you. You need people to work with you. You need people to watch out for you. You need people to wait and weep with you. But listen, you also need people to witness with you. The Christian journey is not one that God just wants to bring you through so that you can rejoice with him on the other side of it. No. Every trial and tribulation, every trauma that you've experienced has a testimony behind it. Every mess you've gone through has a message. Everything that has hurt you has hurt you for the purpose of you helping another person. That may not be the exclusive reason that you've gone through pain because many of us are victims of things outside of our control. So hear the sensitivity and what I'm saying toward your circumstances. I know you've been hurt in ways that you've been complete victims of, but do you not recognize that God promises to take what the enemy intended for evil and use it for good? I, I really want you to understand that you have a story to tell. And that's what Spaces is about. It's telling the stories to one another. It's being in community with each other. It's being connected to each other in a way that other people's lives are going to have value added to it as a result of your testimony to them through the things that God has done in your life. God expects you to talk to other people about what you've done. You need other people to witness to, and you need other people to witness with. You will have neither of those when you're existing outside of community with the church. John 13, 35 says, By this all men will know that you're my disciples, if you have love one for another. And this is what Jesus told to his disciples. Hey, it's not about how many Sabbath school classes you go to. It's not about how faithful you are in your attendance. It's about the way you love other people. Now, Christians who are in community, let me ask you something. Are you genuinely loving your community the way God has loved you? Because many of us think that just because we're in community at the church, that our community alone is going to glorify God. But we have non-Christians all over the world who sit in church every single day, and they don't love even the people in church. They don't do what they have to do in their own heart and soul to get over the, the enmity or, 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 or the, the disconnect they have with somebody with whom they're holding a grudge. Who have you not forgiven? Just because you're in church doesn't mean that, 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 that you're in fellowship genuinely and truly. And the entire world is watching Christians not love each other. So even if you are in church, you're not... You're not negated from the power of what we're being called to in true other-centeredness toward each other. And that requires forgiveness as well.
There's a witness in the way that you love the people in the church. It's not all just about serving and volunteering out at the Boys and Girls Club or, or, or going to the, to the homeless shelter or the orphanage or feeding the hungry. No, it's about actually existing in other-centered love. If you're not loving other people in the church, how are you demonstrating your discipleship? And I want to ask you, hey, who is going to be in heaven because of you? Who's going to be in heaven because of you? Who are you journeying with that needs you? Who are you walking with that needs you? But the bigger question is, who is not going to be in heaven because you refuse to get tied in? Who's living their life in solitude and loneliness because you would rather stay in your place of solitude than to connect in fellowship with the church? I think of a person who demonstrates what it really means to be tied in, and they do this very well. Uh, this young man at the age of 19, he has won, he won his first silver medal in the long jump of the 2004 Paralympic Games in Athens, Greece. Since then, he's solidified himself as a top-notch competitor for Team USA by achieving medal-winning performances at every major international competition he has attended to date. That's five Paralympic medals, two world championships, and 17 national championships. He holds the world record for the only athlete to soar 22 feet in a long jump while being blind. Yes, that's right. The person that I just described achieved all of those things as a blind person. Now, you may ask yourself, how are you an Olympic athlete if you're blind and you're doing these amazing feats of running and jumping and breaking world records and winning championships all while you can't see? At the age of eight, this young man noticed that there was blurriness when he was getting ready for bed. Um, Ten surgeries later, he was declared completely blind as doctors found retinal detachments in his eyes. This person's name is Lex Gillette. He's a Paralympic champion who holds records currently for being a blind athlete. And what I love about his story is that he's achieved all these things with a thorn in his side, with, with blindness. Now, all of us have some form of, of ailment or issue that keep us coming back to being tied into community with other people. Now, Lex Gillette recognized that he could not go and do those things without the help of another person. And what I find so powerful about his story is that as he's running, and I'll show you a picture of this, but as he's running, what he, what he has is, is a string. He has a cord that looks like this. And this cord is held in his right hand, and he has another person to his right who's holding the other end of the cord in his left hand. Lex Gillette is literally tying himself to another person. And what's incredible about what he does is he takes this cord and as he's running, that person slightly tugs on the cord when he needs to run left. That person whispers in his ear when he needs to turn right, when he needs to duck or jump. As he's approaching the point in time when he needs to launch off into the long jump sand, he's being told by the person right next to him, yelling in his ear, hey, now, 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 keep going, don't stop. Run faster. Keep going. There's a curve ahead. Keep going. Don't stop. Who are you tied into? Who are you running with? Who are you tied into? Who is running with you? 
As we see these amazing things that this man has been able to accomplish, he's recognized that even he has needed somebody to help him run his race. Who is running with you? But I want to ask you somebody, who in your life is falling short of the finish line because you refuse to run with them? How is your commitment to being tied in blessing those in your life? You have to be the, per the reason that a person runs faster or jumps farther. You weren't called only to run a race. You were called to run a race with others. Is it uncomfortable? Absolutely. But let me ask you something. If Jesus, if your life of following Jesus doesn't take you into uncomfortable places, are you really following Jesus? If your walk with Christ is not leading you to hurting people and not giving you the opportunity to help those who are hurting, are you really following Jesus? Faith is not an isolated leap into the darkness. It is a collective corporate step into the light. Faith is not a muscle to be executed independent of other people. It's something you have to do together. And let me tell you something, just like those sea otters, no one who's drifting knows they're drifting. You don't realize you're drifting, but you may have a brother or sister in your life group who does, who can pull your coattail on that. How are you submitting yourself to the fellowship of the people? A failure to pay attention to these little things can cost the big things. And sometimes that big thing can be everything. Listen, our challenge to you this week is to jump into spaces. Submit yourself to the experience of the Holy Spirit. You're human. You're going to have human experiences. There's going to be hurt. There's going to be suffering. But let those human experiences become spirit experiences when you connect to each other in fellowship. That's our challenge today and this week as you go forward. Bow your heads with me. God, we are grateful for your call and we want to place ourselves in a posture of submission to your challenge over our lives to get tied into each other. God, as you tie me in, tie someone into me whom I can journey with, who I can run with. God, we recognize this is not something we can do on our own, but we know that the Spirit has the power to move in us, to move through us. So God, I pray that you soften hearts, that you quiet the, 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 the fires of fear that people may have about getting connected with other people. I know other people have been hurt in the church. They have trust issues, God. I pray that you send those people a peace that passes understanding. God, as we love church, we want to commit our, our, our togetherness to you. We want to commit our fellowship to you. And I pray that as you answer this prayer, God, we see true power and miracles take place this year in 2022 and our commitment to be tied in to spaces. In Jesus' name, 